what could I accomplish if I didn't have institutional constraints on me? And, and I feel that that's one of the great joys of entrepreneurship is that there are just no institutional constraints on you. You can make it up as you go. You want to do a course, you invent it. Welcome to episode six of Academics Mean Business. This is your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Today, I have Dr. Catherine Mazak. Uh, she's tuning in to the podcast from the University of Puerto Rico. And she's actually the first podcast guest that was actually in her office recording, which I love. And she's a current tenure professor there. She has tenure. And we got into a little bit about the politics at the University of Puerto Rico right now, post Maria, a major hurricane that happened in, I believe, October of 2016 or 2017, excuse me. Um, and so we talked a little bit about the structure of her institution and how um, there's a lot of external forces that make her feel like her job actually isn't as stable as many people who have tenure feel. So that was a very interesting part of our conversation. Uh, we also talk a lot about... We talked a little bit actually about the mindset of exiting the academy. And what she really feels guilty for is not participating in some of the activism that's happening in her campus right now. The professors are organizing, the students are organizing, and she feels like she's not contributing contributing to that because of her choice uh, to start a business right now. Her business, for those of you who are curious, is uh, actually helping academic women write and publish more so they can have a career and a life that they want. She's a mom. Um, and so she, having tenure and producing academic articles to be published and getting grant funding, she really had to be focused, have proper time management and mindset skills to really move forward in her career choice and to be able to publish. And so her work as an entrepreneur is actually adjacent to the academy, which I love. And she's one of my first guests that has a business built around the academy. So I do hope you enjoy this interview with Dr. Catherine Mazak. All right. Welcome, Dr. Kathy Mazak. I'm so excited. Coming in from Puerto Rico, um, and I'm in Lisbon. So this is a very, you know, <laughs> cross ocean podcast here. Um, yes. And I'm just so happy to finally get to do this podcast with you. You and I were introduced. How did we find each other? Someone introduced you to me, correct? Yes, it was Natalie Gingrich. Yes. Okay. I love she her. Said, She's great. You have to know about this Lindsay person. And I was like, and when I found you, I was like, oh, I just can't, couldn't believe you existed. I was so excited. <laughs> Yay. I know. And I remember when we talked, I think I was in Belgium and I got off the phone with you and I was like, Derek, oh my gosh. Because <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I know I've met a lot of entrepreneurs in this space. And I think some of my first few guests were people that I've known personally. Um, mm -hmm. You actually represent somebody that I've never, I've never met prior right. to the existence of this podcast. And so Natalie was a client of mine and we've mm -hmm. been swimming around each other for mm -hmm. a while. Um, but you were like an introduction. And now I think you represent the first person, but I think all next week is people I didn't know. So I'm getting cool. into this space of like, 
oh my gosh, there's more of us and yes. we're finding each other and look out world. That's pretty yes, much what absolutely. I want to say about that. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I'm so excited you're on today and I want to hear a little bit about your academic journey. So let's start there. Sure. You're currently in an office right now. She's tuning in. Um, she's don't tuning tell my in dean. From her, okay. Sorry. Don't yeah. tell me. <laughs> Don't tell your dean. She's not getting paid for this. It's not on school hours. No. Um, but yeah, tell us about your academic journey a little bit. Sure. I have a bachelor's in English from Indiana University, Bloomington. And then I worked for a little while actually in Ann Arbor, Michigan as a tech writer. And I absolutely hated it 100%. I was like, business is not for me. This sucks. I was a copywriter and I did marketing copy and I did... I actually coded the website. It was 19... 96. So I HT, I got an HTML book. Oh yeah. I got a book, <laughs> an HTML book and I coded the website from there. And I learned a lot of stuff, but I also learned that I did not like nine to five. And at the same time I started, I was in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I started volunteering in downtown Detroit, teaching ESL to mostly, well, total, 100% Latin Americans who had immigrated um, and were looking to take the citizenship test. And I loved that. So I decided to get a, a Master of Arts in TESOL, which is teaching English to speakers of other languages. And I did that at University of Arizona in Tucson. And that was awesome. I loved that program. Um, and after that, I ended up back in Michigan. I taught at Michigan State um, in their intensive English program. And mostly I was teaching um, students from South Korea and Japan. But one semester, I had this Puerto Rican student in my class and she was awesome. And she made it her mission to introduce me to her brother, who was a PhD student in animal science there. And that's my husband now. Oh, yeah. And, um, and uh, as I, well, I met him and then I started getting a little bit itchy in the intensive English teaching job. And I, he was very honest with me and he said, I can't live in the States. I have to live in Puerto Rico. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to work at University of Puerto Rico in Mayagüez. And this is my lifelong dream. And this is, so if you uh, want to be with are me, this in? is what's happening. <laughs> yeah. You know, are you in or not? And I was like, awesome. Puerto Rico is the most awesome place, you know, in terms of like, if you're interested in bilingualism and language mm. and stuff. And so I actually looked at job postings here at my university and I figured out what program at MSU I would do. I applied, I got in, I did the PhD. My PhD was is in, um, is in critical studies in the teaching of English. And it's a program that doesn't exist anymore at MSU, but it was a great program because I got That's to pick... perfect, yeah. Yeah, I got to pick all the, um, the classes that I wanted from the education, the School of Ed at MSU, which is just world-class. And then I had my um, advisor it was an applied linguist. And, you know, like I... It was like a dream experience my PhD. I had the best committee ever. There was no angst or whatever. It was just being poor. That was the only problem. And um, and I... Pretty standard. <laughs> yeah. I, I had my eyes set on this job at University of Puerto Rico in Mayaguez and I got it. 
<laughs> I did the PhD with this job in mind. I did my, I did um, ethnographic, an ethnographic case study in rural Puerto Rico in a school for my dissertation project. I loved everything about Smart. it. And yeah. And then I got the dream job and yeah. <laughs> yay, got the dream job. And I, <laughs> um, and then I got, got pregnant by accident. How do people with PhDs do this? But we did. And, I don't know. Um, she was the best accident ever. And um, that's when I really had to get my house in order. That's when I was mm. like, I was like lost until I had the baby, which is really strange. But, um, and that's when it really like kicked me in the pants. And I was like, I, I can't do this academic thing that other people do where you're basically like writing all the time or yeah. working all the time like on weekends or at nights, like this girl, there was no weekends and nights when I was with her. She was like a hundred percent of my, she just grabbed your attention and that was it. So I learned to shove my academic day <laughs> into like basically uh, eight to four. Mm. Um, and have been able to be really successful doing that and got tenure Um I don't know where else do you where do you want to go from there? Do you want to hear no, how that came in? Great, into, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I know it. Um, knowing a little bit of your background since we we chatted a little bit before this podcast, um, I know that that drips into your business too, which we will yes. totally get to. So I think yes. what I I want to focus on a little bit is you have a, a a theme with a couple of my other guests that you've toyed with entrepreneurship a little bit or yeah. not entrepreneurship, sorry. Um, more like business background. So you yeah. saw... Yeah. So you saw what was possible, kind of a little bit how the industry worked. So if you could... Um, Take us to the time when... So you have your daughter and you're like, I'm not positive that this academic thing... Um, is going to pan out. So what did it look... Not pan out. And we'll talk about some of that because you and I talked about some of the political stuff going on with your university yeah. system currently. Um, but what? when did that first seed get planted? And what were your first steps? Like, What did that look like to go, yeah, I actually want to start a side hustle because you are currently teaching right now. And, and maybe you want to tell us a little bit about your current position, um, your load, and, and then when you decided to get into entrepreneurship. Right. Great. So my, I teach, uh, my university is a four, four load, but I, which is, you know, like I have four classes each semester I'm supposed to be teaching and that's full time, but I love research. So I love mm. research and writing and I have been able so far to manage to make my my year so that I never have taught a 4-4. I've taught 3-3. I've taught 2-2. Um, there's even been semesters I taught one only. And I've been nice. able to do that because um, my university would give course release time if you were yep. able to get external grant funding. Um, not that you had to buy out that time, but that you, know, you got a research project or even in the early days, if you proposed a research project or if you were in the process of writing a grant, they would give you a three-credit course release to write a grant, even if you didn't get it. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's not happening anymore. So I was just going to say, so, <laughs> I so that they was pulled the that beginning. Quickly. Right. So the beginning, mm -hmm. like when I was an assistant professor, the first, you know, three here, we go up to, for promotion after three years. It's a little different system, but like I could do all these things. I got a major grant, um, like my second or third year. And Amazing. 
I, and nobody in English was getting grants, you know, like mm-hmm. people weren't even mm-hmm. applying. And all of a sudden I had all this money. I could hire people. I could do like, I felt kind of like untouchable. Like I could do mm-hmm. whatever I wanted um, within my university context. And I was able to kind of make my job exactly what I want it to be. I was mm-hmm. teaching to two. Mm-hmm. I was supervising grad students. I had this awesome project. I could buy whatever equipment I wanted. It was, it rocked, right? Well, (laughs) as time went by, things in Puerto Rico started getting financially worse. So Mm -hmm. whereas we, like when I started in the tenure track job, there were cost of living raises. There was a lot of opportunity for, um, for research release time and things were kind of good. Well, (laughs) Puerto Rico has been ramping up for its current financial crisis for Mm. a while. So when I was supposed to go up for assistant professor, they said, oh, this is great. Yes, you would be an an associate professor. They they were like, yeah, it's great. All you people who are going up for promotion would get promotion if we had the money. But darn, Uh, we don't have the money. So you have to wait. And so, I mean, fast forward this, like, 12 years now that I've been in the job, what Mm -hmm. my colleagues were making after 12 years in the job is way different from what I'm making now. So my Mm. promotions were delayed and all that. And it's not just me. It's everybody who went up for promotions in the same year to my tenure was delayed. Again, I got a beautiful letter that said, you know, you would, well, here they actually gave us tenure because it didn't involve a salary increase. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I got tenure on time, but like to become a full professor and that's happened not just for me, but my husband, who's also a 10, uh, a tenure track professor here. Mm -hmm. And, I started to realize that whereas like when I first started, I could make the job exactly what I wanted it to be Mm, or almost, mm -hmm. you know, I was getting, we were getting less and less flexible as the university was facing serious, serious budget cuts. So that meant that the things I really loved about my job, I started to not be able to do. Mm. And like kind of fast forward to this last year, 2017, um, I, we had a major student strike over budget cuts. So mm. the financial problem in Puerto Rico, um, basically, you know, Puerto Rico is a colony of the United States, however you want to mm-hmm. pretty that word <laughs> up. That's what it is. <laughs> and um, yep. the, you know, Obama actually appointed a fiscal, fiscal control board um, that was set over the Puerto Rican government. So over our elected officials, there is a financial control board that wow told the the country they had to cut millions and millions of dollars so that they can pay back bondholders. And um, a big area of cuts has, the university has been very like the center of a big area of cuts because unlike state universities in the states, we have a model where basically 8% of tax revenue that comes into the Puerto Rican government goes to fund the public university system. Okay. So whereas right now the model in state universities is increasingly students need to take on debt. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Right. Here we have very accessible, very low cost, like cheaper than community colleges in the States, like less than $50 a credit Mm 
um, for undergrads. Whoa. So, yeah, because, because at the point when they founded the university, they decided higher education is key for us to move forward. Yeah. Right? Wow. And even that low, low, low cost is not accessible to all Puerto Rican students. Sure. But it, it, you know, some people say that the university is kind of responsible for creating the middle class in Puerto Rico. Mm, um, mm-hmm. All of that said, we were looking to to have a cut because all of that public money was going into the university and the fiscal or the financial control board is going like, hey, wait, why are you paying for your higher education this way? And there's a lot of <sighs> You're other... You're not allowed po- to do that. Right. Wow. Exactly. That's not our model. Our model is you know, the students should take out in, in, you know, incredible amounts of debt, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. the model. So it's working great. By the right. Way. <laughs> awesome. Right. <laughs> so it's yeah. working for some people. It's not working, working for the students. Great. Um, so there was that going on. Well, the, our students went on an indefinite strike, which mm. is a, um, in Latin America. Um, and we are, I, we are part of Latin America, a, normal response to things like this. Okay. So in the States, it seems like, what, how'd you go on a student strike and you close the doors and whatever. Yeah. So basically for more than a month, I think it was like, it was two months, maybe our, our strike um, went on. And I realized at pre, we knew that that was coming up. So when they were starting to talk about cuts, I started to go, wait a minute, this dream that I had that getting the tenure track job and then getting tenure and then you're set all of a sudden that stability, like the rug was just pulled out Mm -hmm. from under that. And I went, wait a second, not only could we, and probably we will lose our pensions. We might just not get a paycheck one day like that. That's how unstable Mm -hmm. our university funding was. So Whereas, you know, entrepreneurship, and I think this may have come up in your other podcast episodes, like entrepreneurship is seen as as risky to some people. Sure. Yep, All yep, of a yep. sudden, <laughs> I was like, hey, wait a minute. No, risky is all of our eggs are in one basket that we can't control. That's risky. Yep. Yep. So, so yeah, so that's when I started to say, what could I do? Because Unlike, I think, and in almost like the opposite way that you Mm -hmm. have decided, like, I want to be location independent. I am very location dependent. Like, we love Puerto Rico. We just built our dream house on 10 acres. We're getting our farm up and running. I have three kids that are school aged. We don't want to go anywhere. (laughs) Um, So I started to say, like, what could I do that could bring me income that is not dependent in any way on the government of Puerto Rico. And that's when I really kind of started this push towards entrepreneurship. I love that. Thank you. I love the context (laughs) because um, (laughs) a lot of my doctorate work was in um, education. And I always, as a sociologist, was really interested in the structure of the education system and what like curriculum. And um, so it's it's really interesting to hear um, the setup of, yeah, like other ways, first of all, to set up higher education, right? Which, again, the States used to be like that. Used Mm -hmm, to be mm -hmm. 50 bucks. Used to be free for the state schools are very near free. 
Um, and then to think, yeah, I come, I'm a product of the California community college system, mm-hmm. and we have one of the most subsidized systems in the entire country. And we're at, when I left a year ago, and so who knows, but we were at right. $44 a unit, um, wow. which is pretty rare across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of other countries or countries, uh, states are about 100, 150 a unit. And California consistently was like, nope, we believe that access to this makes sense. But what's interesting is obviously everything with what happened in 2008, California was mm-hmm. just, you yep. know, in the red beyond like everything. And it used to be $11 a unit with when wow. I was, yeah, when I was, when I was getting my degree in like early 2000s is when I got my BA. And I think I took um, a community college class over summer, which was a great way to pay, you know, to get some stuff done. And yeah, it was 11 bucks a unit. And um, and then obviously going to San Diego State, I want to say it was eight. I think the last check I ever wrote was $888. Um, uh-huh. And now it's, yeah, near almost three um in in you know 10 years um yeah. or like 13 and so this idea that the that the higher education system is access you know access to all and um open right. to everyone and yep. the great equalizer right the great mm-hmm. equalizer for everybody mm-hmm. it's it is continuously getting worse and worse for faculty. Um, yep. It's been worse for students for at least 15 years because they've been harboring the debt in our country. But what's been happening is we've just been, you know, fluffing the pockets of the admin. I was on the union <laughs> uh, for uh-huh, a while. Uh-huh. And so it's really, it's all about prioritizing, right? So I couldn't yep. imagine. Um, so on a state by state basis, there's some level of control, but I couldn't imagine an external country basically coming in right. and being like, no, you're not allowed to do it like this anymore. Right. Like that's even right. more. <laughs> so, oh. um, you know, yeah. And I, I love that you bring this up because you're right. It is kind of the opposite. I would say, and I'm curious, and maybe this is a call uh-huh. out there, um, more internationally for my listeners. I would love to get people from different countries, um, on talking about you know what the structure is and how that relates to pushing people out potentially of right. academia, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. and I think for us in the states, it's a little less. It's still considered one of the most stable jobs. Like as right. we left, that was what I felt like I was leaving, and you're seeing the opposite. You're because right. of that external pressure, and there isn't a lot of control. Um, right. So very fascinating. Um, I, 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 I don't mean, know if you I would just add say. Anything. Yeah, I would just say that, yeah, it's a stable job, maybe if you're tenured, but think Mm -hmm. about the adjunct situation. It's not stable. Like, so Mm -hmm. most people who are teaching classes are not, don't have a stable situation. So I think that the stability is an illusion. And I think that the, the, I mean, yes, it's amped up just like colonies are always like, you know, a blown up version, I think, or an amplified yeah. version of, of other problems that are happening in um, colonizer communities. But the, mm-hmm. the you know, it's just, um, it's not as stable as you think. That's the, that's what I guess yeah. I would say. So even I think like, that's a good point. Yeah. Like a state pension, like now most universities don't have a pension, right? You might have a nope. 403B yeah, that's or something like that. constantly stripped away. Right. Yeah. Right. So those Is things, your healthcare tied... Is your healthcare um, tied as strongly well, our, as ours is? I'm not familiar with healthcare yeah, in Puerto, our Puerto healthcare, Rico. Our, I mean, our healthcare, so it's everything's relative, right? So our healthcare is super affordable. So we pay mm-hmm. like, I don't know, 
$14 a month, but for our whole family and I, we're five people, but, but, or we did Mm -hmm. pre 2017. Now we pay $28 a month. So they doubled it, something like that. Uh, You know, it's still like relatively, um, very cheap. (laughs) It's pretty good. You know, like it seems like, but, but it is like more expensive than it was. And a doubling, our, yeah. yeah. Our co-pays have also like basically doubled. So like I used to be able to take the kids to the doctor for ten bucks, and now every time I go to the doctor, the kid the the kids are fifteen bucks or twenty bucks, and there's three, so it's sixty bucks. You know what I mean? So it's like, mm-hmm. but it's like nickel and diming. That's that's what I mm-hmm. one of the most frustrating things right now in my university is that we're being nickeled and dimed. So yeah. like those little things as as our salaries relative to where they they were promised to be um, mm-hmm, is go, mm-hmm. is going down actually costs of other things are going up and what they're talking yep. about now in order to meet these deep cuts that are being forced on us by the the financial control board um, they're talking about like oh four four I think you'll teach five five for the same amount yep, of money yep. And yep. that will be my absolute breaking point. That's the end. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. I, I yeah. mean, I, and not because I don't love teaching and geez, you know, like all the things about the privilege that we have and, you mm-hmm. know, to have jobs and, and the, and a, you know, a decent salary and everything. And it's like, yeah. I probably, I'm very conscious of kind of like the position we are in the Puerto Rican society. Um, but on the other hand, you know, like, if it's going to make me miserable, (laughs) I'm Mm. not going to do it. I'm just, life is too short Mm -hmm. for that. So if I have to teach five, five and do no research and do no writing, it's not for me. It's not the job I want. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. So I would like to hear a little bit about those first steps you took. Sure. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, did you seek out a mentor or did you have some connection with somebody online? So if you want to share any part of those kind of initial steps you took to start online. So you knew that you wanted to go online, I'm assuming as well. So yes. um, Yeah. Share with us a little bit about those kind of decisions that you were making when you started to decide that, yep, this is this is something I need to make sure I have a backup plan around. Yeah. So I, so pre, um, like really, really bad financial crisis in Puerto Rico, I had already Mm. started doing, I was involved with an MLM. And so I started Mm -hmm. to understand what the online world was like. Um, and Mm -hmm. the idea of, um, using your online networks, you know, as a way to, to, to run a business. But what I hated about the MLM was that you had to keep asking people like you had like you yep. had to keep asking and asking. And I really like I, a core belief that I have is if there's part of the job you don't like, eliminate that. Like I don't mm. want to do a job where even 20 percent of it is stuff I hate, you know, and totally. Um, I started, I took a, actually an online course. Um, so that was my first online course here from my university. It was super cheap. It was like 80 oh, bucks wow. or something. Yep. And it was Love delivered it. by a person who has a master's in, um, in business administration. And the course was about pers- personal branding. And so wow. I was doing it. I love yeah, that. I, yes, it, it was great. And she's awesome. Um, so they, I took this course and, um, 
I was doing it with the idea of helping my MLM. Like that's what I, the, the yep. idea was. And through the process of taking the course, I started to learn about attraction marketing. So instead of like mm -hmm. going out there and you know, basically bugging people in your social networks, putting yourself out there and people get attracted to you. And it's kind yep. of a different way of thinking about it. And then I went, wait a minute, like I'm selling something that I make, I don't know, $30 a month if this person yeah, signs it up. <laughs> it's like nothing, <laughs> so right? Bad. Yeah. And nothing. Um, yeah. And then I went, but wait, I could, I could, I have a PhD in teaching. I could teach an online <laughs> course. I could create something, you know, like, and I actually hired the woman who taught that course, um, Angelique Lozada. She is in Puerto Rico and she's a business coach here that works a lot with Spanish speaking women. She works with people in Latin America, um, but she's from New York. I mean, she lived in New York and stuff. She's very Metro and um, <laughs> she uh, <laughs> from San Juan. Um, and she, I hired her as a coach. Smart. And we did, you know, I don't know, four to five coaching sessions. And she walked me through. She already knew me well because I had had basically uh -huh. at least one basically coaching session or conferencing kind of like because of the course that she taught. And we you figured out who my avatar was and what my offer was going to be and all of these things. So with her, and that was expensive because basically I was just you know, it wasn't expensive. It was that I was putting money out before I was making money. But, yes, but, yes. but she really, I got everything set up in terms of like who I was at that. I started my blog. I started my website. Um, and I started, you know, consistent blogging and all of these things. I learned the technology. I was bootstrapping everything myself. Um, I learned WordPress. I learned ConvertKit. I did, you know, like wow. I, I started the email list. I did all those things. Then in turn, then I, and I also started um, a coaching, like a one-on-one -on -one coaching offer. So that was a way okay. that I nice. could start to bring in some, you know, academic coaching. I could start to bring in some revenue. Um, I wasn't like doing a really hard marketing push on that, but I had it there mm -hmm. and I was getting a little trickle of people and that was enough because the overhead is so low really to get into the yep. online yep. space, right? Yep. And then I found Mariah Cause and Femtrepreneur and I took, um, her course, which is called Your First 1K. And... When I did that and I created an offer, like the other things are like, I did all the things. Like I didn't just buy yep. the course, right? I did all the things. Nope. I'm a good you student. You have to do it. Yeah, yep. yeah. I'm <laughs> good really student. good student. So, um, and I love to learn new things and it was so exciting, right? And I created this little product called the Virtual Writers Retreat. Um, that the promise oh, so was good. that I'm sure you have an almost done article sitting around somewhere. Join me for two yep. weeks and we'll get it from almost done to done. And it's a, four, so great. it's like, that's it. A little $97 program. And I made $800. And I was like, in two weeks, awesome. <laughs> I was like, this yeah. is great. You know? <laughs> and then yep. I started like, and then, um, then I actually applied for Mariah has a, uh, she has a, a course called Launch Your Signature Course, and she has a scholarship mm -hmm. program. And I can get hundreds of thousands of dollars in grants. So I wrote a little application for her scholarship program and got a scholarship. Oh I didn't God, even pay I for that it. course. Yeah. And I, I love it. And I created this signature course, which is called the Academic Women's Writing Roadmap. 
And I basically had done a few, a little bit of coaching, but I know my person so well because I, I was my person yep. 10 years ago. So like, yep. it, like I, I basically was like, here's seven steps. We're going to, here's how you cut out things and say, no, here's how you, you know, focus yourself. I have people write academic mission statements and you know, like what mm. would you need to do to write more? Because that's my focus is like helping academic women key. write yep. and publish more. So that's what the course teaches. And I launched it last summer and I made $14,000. <laughs> Ah, I love it. Yeah. And I was like, this could really work. <laughs> so, yep. so that's how things kind of got started. And um, the business isn't a year old yet. The business will be a year old next month. So um, we, there was a hiccup, but the hiccup was Hurricane Maria because try having an online mm. business with no infrastructure. Um, <laughs> so yeah. that caused me some problems. But we're recovering and we keep going yeah. and um and yeah so i'm actually at the time of this recording i opened cart in an email this morning mm. right before i got on with you to for the academic women's Yay. writing roadmap again so i'm offering uh, a new year's session so it's very exciting Ooh, <laughs> yeah. so good yeah. oh well congrats on the open cart how Thanks. long is it open for um it'll close on january 19th at night so Oh, nice. It's open for, I'm trying, like when, when you, like when you first launch it, the cart, we, I like pre-sold and it was like a really, really long process. Mm -hmm. So the idea is like mm -hmm. shorter process this time. So it's not as draining. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. For those of you listening, <laughs> we're kind of getting into some entrepreneur speak. Yeah. So like open cart is kind of like, <laughs> right. um, we, most offers um, have like an expiration date, if you will. And that has to do with at least what I've learned in marketing mm -hmm. is creating urgency. Yes. Um, there are products you can have that are just people can download. So you are choosing a, a version of a business model. And so what she's doing is is launching. And so there's um, an email typically and some social media promotion and kind of showing up. But it lasts for a week or two. And you get to decide how long you yep. want to do it. And I I've personally experimented with lots of different styles of launching as yep. well. Um, I did one that was too long yeah. <laughs> as well. So um, it's kind of the fun part of entrepreneurship. But uh, thanks for sharing that. I yeah. think um, what I love about um, what I'm hearing a lot of our conversation today is this. I really hear you. Um, you're the type of person that wants to be like in control and have control. <laughs> yes. And I'm like that yeah. too. Right. And I feel like... People who like teaching, you know, yeah. be at the center of the room and everyone has to listen. Yep. <laughs> we got that little bossy side yeah. of like, hey, I'm not in control here. I don't know how I feel about this. So yep. I love that because I totally um, resonate with that so much as well. And, you know, for me, I just was very rebellious on campus. So I was mm -hmm. always like, I literally converted my entire school. I was there for maybe a year into block scheduling. And <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous, you guys. Like, we have to... Why are we teaching on Fridays? No other community college right. in the area teaches on Fridays. Like, this, the the life is different now. And I converted... I, like, marched into the dean's office. <laughs> He's like, yeah, well, we want to do it, but I don't know. By the end of the semester, I had them all switching. And wow. I was like, yep. Like, I, I'm yep. like you also. Like, how mm -hmm. can I organize my life so it's efficient? And... I took what I did at a community college. We don't have a research load at all. So mm -hmm. it's all teaching. Right. And so we tend to have five, six, sometimes even seven classes because 
let's talk about being understaffed yep. and all of that, yep. which is a whole other mm-hmm. conversation. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I finagled my way into making sure that I was teaching three courses mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. So, and then not only that, I was like, I'm only going to come in on two days a week. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and that's how I made the block schedule happen. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so yep. instead of a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class, it was Tuesday, Thursday. Yep. Um, and so I had, I only had to work Tuesday, Thursday. Nice. And that was like my exit semester. And it's kind of frowned upon. And, you know, um, lots of people as a tenure track faculty, you know, you, I get to quote unquote choose when I teach and then the adjuncts gets what is left over. Right. And so, um, it's, it is, it is, um, what's the word? A sensitive subject. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you don't want to do that often, but I did it um, to finish my dissertation. They were super okay with that. Mm-hmm. And then I like finagled my way <laughs> right? just by putting pressure on people right. and questioning stupid rules and and made sure I, I stuck with it. So yeah. um, I just love having my guests come on and being like, oh my gosh, we would totally be friends yes. at your school. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually, that's uh, so funny. That's what Natalie said when she said, you have to meet Lindsay. You, uh, even if all all you do is you you would get, you would like her, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> totally. Yes. I have a feeling we'll meet. Yeah, someday. we will. Someday. I'm not Absolutely. sure how, but um, <laughs> definitely. Um, I love that. So, yeah, you you shared a little bit about one of the struggles, which was obviously something external mm-hmm. um, uh, related political yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. and you know hurricanes and all of that. But I'd love to if you could kind of share a bit about some challenges you've had in business. Sure. Um, and where you've turned to kind of solve some of those yeah. those problems, if if you wouldn't. Yeah. Mind. So some like the like I think just to what you were saying before about control. Like I do really love to be in control, <laughs> and um, that's something really attractive about entrepreneurship to me. Um, I think that the challenge part is not being is everything that's related to being out of control because there's always things that you're not in control of. Right. Yeah. So, um, the internet, (laughs) like stability, (laughs) all Um, of the internet, (laughs) all of the internet. No. So like, I remember the first, when I was launching the first time I did a webinar that I was going to pitch the course at the end. So what I was actually going to ask people to buy the course, um, my internet went out and I couldn't even, oh, yep, no. I couldn't even email like right before the webinar, like as the webinar was starting. And I couldn't even email people to tell them I, the webinar is not going to happen. And I felt, and of course, people like totally understood, like everybody was cool, but I felt I was so upset, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's completely out of my control. Um, also, like another thing that I had planned, and actually, um, one of the ways that, one of the kind of ways I started my business um, by listening to what academic women, especially moms, uh, had to say about their struggles, which, by the way, much of which I have heard from this awesome online group, which is called Academic Mamas, that has 12,000 academic women in it. Oh, that sounds and, amazing. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure if a so, guest is li- or someone's listening, that might be a good uh, yes, group to check out. Yes. It it ha- just like every giant group, it has its moments of weirdness. Sure. But <laughs> for the like, put a whole bunch of academics like, in a group. There's right? probably going to be something that yes. goes down. It's a, it's an yep. um, exaggerated meeting situation. On, yes, exactly. On <laughs> but but <laughs> on the other meeting. hand, like you want to, yeah, you want to you want to find out like, oh, my kid's doing this weird thing. Give me mm. evidence based yeah, things right. I should be doing. And What's people the jump in. Recent? They're like, well, I'm it. yeah. 
yes, well, I'm a MD, PhD, and I say, blah, blah, blah. oh, I have a PhD in nutrition. Oh, I have a, you know, like really people are awesome. It's like, you want answers? These That's ladies cool. have answers. Um, but anyway, one of the things that had been going on in that group was people talking about writing retreats. Ah. So I set up, so I was like, I live in Puerto Rico. I have a big house on a farm. We can kick my family out and I'm going to have a beautiful writing retreat. Mm. And that um, was a way I grew my email list. I had a waiting list for them. And actually today would have been the first day of that writing wow. retreat had yeah. we not been hit by this horrible hurricane. And um, really it's just like just starting to be the time that people might want to come back to Puerto Rico as tourists, but it's mm. still there's so still half the Island is without power. Mm. And so it's just not like a place to come and have a relaxing time to write. I don't know. It just seemed yeah. like not only did we actually have damages to our, our property that made it like not a great idea to bring a bunch of people there. Um, our road, part of our road washed out mm. and we're just now able to, to get some of that, um, fixed. But, um, but you know, it's just like after a long and agonizing decision, I finally decided to cancel it. And I had already taken, um, deposits from people mm -hmm. and I had already spent those deposits mm -hmm. on other things for my business. So that was a big challenge. It was demoralizing in a way and mm -hmm. just upsetting because I was going to be physically with my dreamy, people, mm -hmm. like the people who I most wanted to like hang out with, um, were all coming to my house, you know, and they were excited and I was excited. And it was just so devastating to kind of, as I slowly realized that I was going to have to cancel it. Um, and then just figuring out as a business owner, um, an inexperienced business owner, you know, how do you do refunds? And then where do you mm. get capital? And, you know, yep. like, like all of that kind of stuff. So the challenges, I think, I still like those kinds of challenges. Like the, the thing sure. about how to figure out the money stuff, like I probably could have been a bookkeeper or something in a previous oh, life. Yeah? I love, you got that part yeah. in you? Ah. I love looking at I'm Excel spreadsheets. I'm missing that part of my brain. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I not love exist. like the money part. I love like I like doing my family's budget and figuring hmm. out that stuff. Um, but it still was like very sad. And that has been mm. a challenge because it, it represented a kind of significant amount of my revenue um, sure. for last year. So but we keep going. Um, the other challenge, obviously, not obviously, but the other challenge is I'm working two jobs. I'm really working yeah. three jobs because the mom thing is a, mother. a lot of work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's figuring out how to block schedule um, and do things to fit, knowing that like I'm not giving all the attention that should go to my um, professor job. It's Ooh, not getting yeah. the attention it should. And yeah. that part of the reason I can do that is because I am tenured and mm -hmm. I you know, nobody's going to call me out on it. Um, mm -hmm. But it still is hard to juggle the two things and to realize that like, if I could do one, a hundred percent, I could be so much more successful, but sure. that there's going to be a transition period, you know, like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have to make sure that the, that the business like can be profitable and is going to do what I want it to do. Um, before I can think about leaving the professor job and focusing a hundred percent on the business. 
Mm. If that makes sense. It does. It does. And I know how difficult (laughs) that decision is. Um, If you're, I it's feel like we have a lot in common in many Uh ways, but, um, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this. Like what, you know, since you're currently here in the Academy and you're building a business, um, and you're trying to get that stable recurring kind of, um, I don't know what we want to call it, but just consistent income, right? So you know what's coming in. Because there, there is something I want to point out too, for those of you listening, um, when you really start a business and like like she brought up this idea of launching a course, um, I was doing a lot of like one-on-one service-based work. And then I launched like a small like group program. The money goes like up and down. And yes. it, is a, it is a scary call to make to be like, okay, I think my business is stable at this moment. Like now is when I walk out. And I think what's difficult about this as it relates to an academic life is we live our life in semesters or or quarters possibly too, right? So we have these... You have to tell your dean like, you know, two years in advance stuff is getting put on the books. And so you're trying to figure out when do I really want to make the exit, right? Right. And right. so I'd love to hear about, since it's actually currently happening, what's, what are you thinking through? What's your thought process like? What are some of the fears that you have coming up around leaving it for good? Um, it does yeah. sound like that is your plan. So yeah, walk us through what's going on in your brain. Sure. Um, so I... there's 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 fears, but I think that I am probably a pretty (laughs) like an overly optimistic person Mm. with maybe more confidence in myself (laughs) than I should have. No, I have a lot of confidence in myself. I think I can do (laughs) it. Like I don't, I I don't, I don't question. I actually do not question that I can make the, the job, the, the business, my full-time job. I don't question Mm. that. Um, I feel guilty about mm-hmm. leaving the institution, which needs so much love and care to yeah. kind of rise from the ashes um, during this really horrible time. And actually, mm-hmm. uh, many of my dear, dear friends and colleagues here have formed a group called Protestamos, which is for rethinking the university and they're mm-hmm. really taking action on um how can we how can we as professors and students be in charge of dealing with these cuts and dealing yes. with the financial control board and stuff it's mm-hmm. so beautiful it's a beautiful mm-hmm. and also people taking action yeah. it's like grassroots social action exactly how you yep. would want it to be and of course they asked me to help them and i couldn't like Ooh, yeah for a couple of reasons. One is I still have little kids. Like I have, no, I have a almost 11 year old, an eight year old and a two year old. Mm. And it is very hard for me to do anything after three o'clock in the afternoon or on the weekends. So in terms of just time and childcare, I just, it was just like, that was an uphill battle. But also in the back of my mind, I have a big, big fear about not getting a paycheck and mm. that both of us wouldn't get paychecks and I have the kids and I, have a, and mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I have to save myself and I mm-hmm. have a lot of guilt about that. I, mm-hmm. I, I have to say, because I think that what's happening with 
movements, grassroots movements in Puerto Rico and inside the university is fantastic and wonderful and yep, beautiful it's important work and really mm-hmm. important. And I feel like I'm being selfish. Mm. Um, but <laughs> I also feel like what could I do if the world was my oyster, you know, mm-hmm. like what could mm-hmm. I do if I shed the institution? Mm-hmm. And, and I also, though I am a really optimistic person, I'm not that optimistic about institutions. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. I think that's a theme, you know, when I binge listen to the first four of your podcasts, I think that's a theme that has come up, Definitely. right? About like mm-hmm. working within institutions and realizing what could I accomplish if I didn't have yep. institutional constraints on me? And, and I yep. feel that that's one of the great joys of entrepreneurship is that there are just no institutional constraints on you. You can make no. it up as you go. You want to do a course, you invent it. You, mm-hmm. you, um, you don't have to write a syllabus that, that fits yeah, into the department syllabus. Learning exactly, right? And, yeah. yeah yep. like if you want to do, do it, yeah. yeah, exactly the way that you want to do it. And mm-hmm. that freedom for somebody who loves learning and teaching is just amazing. Mm-hmm. I just like that part of it. It's like, I not only do I get to teach, like since my audience is academic women, it's like not just teaching you know, everybody wants to teach grad courses because grad students are so cool to work with because they are focused on your Mm -hmm. area and blah, blah, blah. This is like even better because they're like the best students ever. Yeah. You know, Um, they are super smart, like smart, (laughs) so smart. You tell them one little thing that they can like about, you know, how to write more or whatever, these things that I do in a coaching session, there's a click and they just run with, mm. <laughs> with whatever you tell them. They're like the best students you could ever ask for. And I don't grade anything. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's the best grading. part. Yeah. Like, and there's nobody telling. Yep. <laughs> Turn yep. that up. I mean, it's yep. huge. <laughs> huge. And there's nobody telling me how to do it. No. I figure out how to do it. If I screw it up, I screw it up. And I figure out a better way to do it. You know, like there's, there's no institution and that's the, the great kind of joy of, of the entrepreneurship part. Oh, I love it. I like had like yeah. multiple <laughs> moments of like, Oh, go girl. <laughs> Say it. Keep saying it. Yeah. And I, I love what I love about what you're doing. And I, um, again, I think, yeah, you're actually the first person, um, even up and coming too, who's actually working, who's starting a business that's like um, adjacent to the university. Like yeah. you're supporting women that have been under supported, right. And under, right. under resourced, you know, right. and, um, and, th- and this is a theme, another theme coming up a lot too, mm-hmm. is this idea that in academia, there's not a lot of support for our students, for teachers, um, for grad students. I mean, the whole thing is just aching for people to feel you know, safe in the university, like feel like they can accomplish things. And that, right. is, that is just missing. And the idea that, you know, oh, everyone, good luck and try to make it. Yeah. Um, no, exactly. It's, it's terrible. So I love it, that that's where your work is too. Yeah. Thank, great. Yes. Because what, like, I, I don't know, like I think about the activism part of mm-hmm. academia for me, which is important. And like I just kind of described, that's the guilty part. The, yep. the fact that there is 
activism happening at my university that's yep. really important. And, and I've actually made a decision, which was a very hard decision that involved lots of tears, to not, to not participate, do that, yeah. to mm-hmm. not put energy there. Mm-hmm. So, but on the other hand, um, I really feel like you just get like thrown to the wolves after your PhD. Yep, 100%. Like, and, and even if like in my case, I had an awesome committee with fantastic yep. advisors, but I didn't, they were so busy and so busy. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like I didn't feel like after I graduated, like I felt like after I graduated, their work was done and it was, I had to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Well, I was like struggling to figure out how to write articles off your dissertation. Like nobody tells you, Mm-mm. nobody gives you like, you don't take the how to write articles off your disc class in your PhD. Nope. I mean, some people might get it, but I think they're the, the vast minority. Like yep. I, I think it's really a minority of people who get actual meta knowledge, you know, like actual instruction about how to do this kind of writing. And the same with like writing an academic article. Now, I did go, you know, I graduated from my PhD in 2006. And I think that the market is so different now that you have to have articles before you're even on the market. So maybe this has changed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But the, but the, um, the structure of writing an academic article is like no way related to writing a term paper a dissertation. or dissertation. Yeah. Nope. There, no all. way. Mm-hmm. So, and again, there are programs that are changing that. There, yep. I don't think they're the majority of programs. So, and, and besides that's just the writing part. Fine. You know, when you were writing your dissertation, it was hard, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. but you know what? That might have been the only thing you were doing. Like when I was yep. writing my dissertation, that's the only thing I was doing, you know? Yeah. And now, you know, you get the job or you start adjuncting or whatever, and you are writing, you're trying to write at the same time that you're trying to do, like to learn teach. the job yeah. that nobody teaches you, yep. teach new preps, right? Yep. With probably yep. a large number of students because yep. you get all the basic all the courses or beginning courses, middle, right? Exactly. Early morning, late nights. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then yep. also do service work, which mm-hmm. people, institutions don't protect their new professors from nope. service the way that they should. You're just thrown, it's baptism by fire. And yep. I think that that's so unfair. And so what I aim to do in my in my blog and in my course, but even if you just went to my blog, you would see that I'm what I'm trying to do is break these things down and say yep. like this is what you do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is how you do it. Um because nobody tells you how to do it. Nope. And the people who the people who get like I just think it's so male and it's so mm-hmm. like this image of the academic burning the midnight oil and the mm-hmm. tweed jacket <laughs> with the elbow patches. And you're just going to work 24 hours a day because your work is so important. You know, that that's, what, you know, like it's, that's not what we're doing. I, no. I don't like That's not, I don't relate to that in any no. way. Um, and especially as a mom, like mm-hmm. I, I have to leave the university behind me. I have to walk away <laughs> and be mom and, Oof. you know, do my, my life and then come back in the morning. Like there's no, for me, there's no waking up before kids. My kids wake up at the butt crack of dawn <laughs> and there's no waking up before them. There's no staying up later than them because I'm so exhausted by the time right. I get them to sleep. And this idea of like, oh yeah, I, it's just like, I think that that image of academia and scholarship, I mean, it's very ivory tower, but it's also yep. so male. It's so, so male. like it relies on the fact that yeah. you have a full-time supporter. 
Mm -hmm. that you have a wife, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Who is taking care of all the other stuff. And you can stay late to finish something because somebody else is taking care of your kids. That is not the reality for women. And that makes a, that puts us at a a disadvantage. I think a lot of the time, and that puts science at a disadvantage and it puts the humanities at a disadvantage and everything, because when our voices aren't there, you know, it's a loss for humanity. (laughs) Definitely. To me, like when I have to think about what I want my entrepreneurship to do, I want my entrepreneurship to facilitate those voices of women in the academy to get out in publications. Yep. Because they have to influence the field. They have to make change in the world. They have to help those individual women, women have careers that they can manage and that they love and that they can get promoted and that they can get jobs and all those things rely on publications. So to me, like that's how I see the mission of my company um, is doing that. And that's how I can resolve for myself mentally. The fact that I, the I non, can do that activism. Right. Like exactly. Exactly. Activism. Yeah. Exactly. You are doing a version of activism. I mean, right. What I heard too, and what you're saying as well is I think, and this is something as women, um, we, we think about more than men. And, and I would also say like white men too, right? Like, Oh, absolutely. This is, this is very <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> to like, uh, the white males in yep. academia. And so this idea that, that they get to be the ones that reproduces the knowledge. They um, have the protected space and they have the protected time. They also have uh, less emotional burdens at work as well. I did my dissertations in like emotional labor of teaching. Mm -hmm. And so women tend to shoulder some of the emotional uh, responsibility of what goes on in the classroom as well. And men just can t- shut it off in a different way. Cause that is a different way that they've been, you know, socialized. So, uh, you know, there's so much in here and what I hear, what I feel like is happening culturally right now, um, mm-hmm. is women are realizing that the impact that they can have really is going to reverberate out. So yeah. by you lifting up those women and getting their voices, you know, out there, you know that it's also going to impact the academy and then it impacts the future generation of of scholars. Right. Um, but also the workforce. I mean, I I feel that too as well. And I think with with what we get to do as entrepreneurs is we get to kind of release some of the because you know uh, academia is is very political as well and yep. it's very politically charged and I do, I I'm with you on the one of the hard things for me leaving was realizing that I was leaving back my activism as well in mm-hmm. in some ways and I actually mentally had to disconnect yep. um, from a lot of stuff but that's because as a teacher when I was teaching social one I mean I felt like when I was involved politically like what was going on in the world and mm-hmm. you know news analysis and all that stuff. I mean, I was bringing it to my classroom. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, how can I bring that to entrepreneurship? How right. can we talk <laughs> yeah. about, right? And so right. this idea that the that things are bigger than our individual classrooms when we have our own business, we get to hire who we want mm-hmm. for how long. Um, we get to pay fair wages. We get to yep. respect like working hours in, in these different ways. And so I feel like there's something to be said about the empowerment that mm-hmm. happens with having yeah. your own business. And there's women that I'm... There's um, someone I'm interviewing soon and I can't wait for her podcast. She, I think she plans on staying in academia, uh-huh. but she is building this 
thriving business on the side. And I don't even know if you want to call it side. She's just doing both, you know? Uh-huh. Right, right, right. Um, and it's all around getting her research out because she was just mm-hmm. like, what? These white males are listening to me right. talk about like, you know, black empowerment and 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 raising women um, and their voices and all of this. And like who they get to hear this? Like what? And that yeah. was a wake up call for her, for her to start her business as well. And she's like, my research belongs like in little girls' ears. Like, oh, and and that's, and that's yeah, true, yeah. you know? And so yes. that's the kind of stuff that we as academics get to bring to entrepreneurship is right. the knowledge and the research and mm-hmm. the um you know the view of the world I would even yes. I would even say. Yes, yes. Um I love it. This has been such a fun conversation. <laughs> I think I, I want to hear your last take on this because I okay. feel like it's gonna be um it's gonna there's gonna be some gems in here too. Where where do you see your skill sets from entrepreneurship mm. uh, or sorry, from academia mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how does that resonate um, and drift, drift over into your business? Because I think I, I find when I ask this question, lots of people have different unique ways of saying it. So what are some things you've learned in being a professor and mm-hmm. having, you know, going through a PhD program that serves you well in running a business? Great. Yeah. I mean, I think one is focus. Like, I think you can't get very far in academia unless you can hone focus. And that's something that I've been able to do as an academic and that academia taught me. Like, that I was only going to get writing done and publications out if I took responsibility Mm. for focusing myself and Mm -hmm. making choices about my time. And I think that's true in entrepreneurship too, right? Like I think you can go down the rabbit hole of learning things and listening to a million different podcasts and never take action. (laughs) Consume, consume, consume. Right? Consume, consume, consume. And then at some point you have to act. And I think that that ability to like take in some information and act on it is something that I learned as an academic. Mm. Um, also like how to write an argument, like, right. I mean, like <laughs> I, I t- writing yeah. a sales page is writing an argument, you know, it's true. It's, a little bit different, but, it's a little but once different. you nail it, right? Yeah. You nail the style. You got yeah. it. That's a great no, point. You know, you got to know your audience. You have to speak to them in their language and all of those things that you need to do as an entrepreneur. I can do that because I've been bringing in millions of dollars of grant money. You know what yep. I mean? Like, like because yep. I've been convincing people to give me, you know, like $250,000 you based on 30 yeah. pages I wrote. Yeah, exactly. So in the, those skills, I think transfer kind of beautifully. Um, I, I also think that if you're interested in doing online education that, mm, I mean, I feel huge. like th- there's a lot of people in the, a lot of people in the online space w- want to do online education and have no yep. idea about how to teach something. And being a trained educator is really different from just being an expert. Yep. And I think that especially having a PhD. <laughs> That's how I built my whole business. Right? Once I realized that, yeah. I was like, oh shit. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. Definitely. Yeah. So I think that, you know, all of those things have translated into entrepreneurship for me. I love it. Yeah. And I just want to add for those of you listening, I'm that I mean, as we talk about, like, I don't know if the institution is going to end forever. But obviously, (laughs) higher education is shifting and changing. I think um, lots of things um, have room to be improved. Um, But people are looking outside of that space to get some knowledge. My husband teaches physics, actually. And Mm -hmm. he's um, he left with me 
as you probably heard in that first episode, uh-huh. but he, he's even, he's going to work on a, a physics course because that's, a, I, if you think about even, even going as simple to what do I even know from my, my research and my studies, mm-hmm. like teaching sociology or teaching, you know, um, you know, uh, things around like multiculturalism in mm-hmm, this like growing mm-hmm. diverse, you know, world is all things that people need access to. Yep. And not everyone needs to go back to maybe a community college, right? Or right. Even, you know, a university. And so this idea that you could put your knowledge out there, I think in academia, we thought that that information should be totally free. And while that's partially true, and Mm -hmm. yes, you could download, you know, physics from MIT, right, on iTunes, right? but it isn't really, you're not really, you're not in a MIT, like it's not written (laughs) for you. It's like some guy filming in the back, like this whole thing, right? And so this idea that, you know, my husband could actually take physics and make it a little more mainstream. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of people that want to learn physics that had to pass it up for various reasons. So I just want to point out, you know, the growing online education and people paying for that is is not even close to the the like size of the industry that it's yes, going to become. Yes, so just yes. like think about that too and starting there because you can do the research of, of the content. You know how to map a course. I know mm-hmm. many of you probably listening have taught online even. And now we just need to maybe fine tune some of that marketing or think about that mm-hmm. attraction marketing. Right. But you really have a product in you in some mm-hmm. way that maybe isn't service because service does take a lot of time. I will say that. Yes. Um, but yeah, so thank you for sharing that. And mm-hmm. any advice that you have for anyone, some something maybe you wish you knew uh, when you started? Um, I think that the thing that comes to mind is don't ever think of your career as the end. Like, um, even if you're tenured, I think that um, it's that you growing, that you are more than the academy and that you have the potential to grow in whatever direction you want. Um, And that seeing getting the tenure track uh, and then maybe getting tenure as kind of like, now I did it is limiting because I did that and I found that, wait, there's more things that I want to do with my life Mm. um, that I no longer feel like the academy is the best place to do them. And just be open. Just be open to taking your career in different directions. And most of all, do what you need to do to, to drive your career and not let it drive you. Ooh, man, I feel like there's so many tweets and quotes in, in our conversation. I think my tweet husband that. tweet yeah. that shit, guys. Hashtag, I don't know what. Um, I got to come up with one. Yeah, well, this is this is marketing in its organic state. Uh, yes. Awesome. Well, Catherine, that was beyond fantastic. Um, I am so glad. I We even got to go a little bit deeper in, in, in hearing your story. And uh, I just... I'm just so excited for you. I I feel like this Yay. is going to be a big year for you. So yes. um, where can people find you? Because uh, I yes. think you might want to be... Somebody might want to yeah. know you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So my website is kathymazak.com. So it's C-A-T-H-Y 
M-A-Z-A-K.com. Um, I also have a group on Facebook, which is called I Should Be Writing. Ah, so that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. It's Facebook slash groups slash I Should Be Writing. Um, and that's just a free group that if people are interested in doing more writing, they can join. There's oh, We're almost at a thousand oh, women yay. in that group. We um, Sometimes we co-write. People put questions about even field specific questions. Mm. Like I, there's a historian who asked a question the other day, I need a historian to tell me how to figure out how to cite this weird thing that I'm trying to do. And, and people chimed in and awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so, so you can find me there on Facebook and I also have a Facebook page, which is Kathy Mazak coaching. So. Awesome. Well, Kathy, yeah. we will also link below in the show notes as well. So we will have direct links for everyone listening. Um, but yes, yay, yay, yay. I am so yay. glad that you came on. And I I probably want to have you on because I feel like we could talk about lots of stuff, <laughs> particularly <Yay>. the activism, <laughs> like what activism yeah. means. I could go down oh. that for a while. Um, but yep. I feel like we're both doing it. So <laughs> yes, we yes. don't have to feel guilty. Um, yeah. yeah. So until next time. Thank you.